Hi everyone, welcome to Two Bald Guys Talking Safety. I'm Langdon DeMint. And I'm Julian Taylor. And welcome to our podcast. Welcome everybody to Two Bald Guys Talking Safety. I'm Langdon DeMint here with my dear friend. Julian Taylor. How are you, buddy? Yeah, I'm good. I'm uh, enjoying the... We've we've gone from just perennial rain to freezing cold now. We've had snow here. Snow? Yeah, a lot of snow, and then we had some sub-zero temps the other day, which for Tennessee is a big deal. Yeah, yeah, I'm tired of snow. So I've had to put some extra layers on here. I've put one on specially for you. I don't know whether you can see that. It won't matter anymore. Supposedly, T Dub is going to be coaching the next two two Ryder Cups, which means you can go ahead and mark yourselves down for two L's. <laughs> Let's wait and see, buddy. Let's wait and see. But yeah, yeah have you um? Have you been traveling anywhere lately? Um, I haven't lately, but there's some. There's plenty of plans in the calendar. Uh, it's going to be a busy year, starting at the end of end of the month, um, which is kind of a nice segue into what we wanted to talk about today. Yeah, I thought that would be. I, you know, there, we didn't need to beat around the bush too much here. Take a lap around the plane. I think we just jump right in with all the travel you have. Do you have a window seat? I never do the window seat. Good job. No, I'll. <laughs> I'll every time. Every time. And that's good because for those of you that might have missed the news, the, I mean, I don't know whether to say the airlines or the plane itself. I guess it doesn't matter. I think you can say both, actually. I guess, I mean, you know, those 737 MAX 9s. Which, you know, the, they've had some issues anyways, but now that you can get a nice accommodation of a window seat that's technically not even a window or a door, thanks to Alaska Airlines in this case. Yep. So the door flew off where the window flew, well, the panel technically was blown off. Wasn't really a, a window or supposed to be or a door in general, but one was made mid-flight. I can't. I don't recall what it was. Sixteen thousand feet. That's it. Because we could also little subtitle. And everyone that really knows me, know I'm not an Apple guy. Don't like apples. But supposedly, a phone flew out the window at sixteen thousand foot, and it worked. But that's pretty impressive. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but because my my phone fell out of the truck and still works. Langdon's just showing me the remains of his screen for those of you who are listening on audio. Which I would like to say the battery has somehow been extended and it still works, but I can't tap the screen to get anywhere. I, so it just lights up and tells me that something has come in. But that's neither um, neither here nor there. Specifically about the airlines. So what, what's your initial what's your initial feelings about that, Joel? What do you think? Um, it, it's a... It's it's just an interesting one, isn't it? I think, you, you, I think your description of of was it a door or was it a window? Um, it was. It, I think reading up about it, you, you can get the plane in different formations, can't you? Or formats. So, so some it, it, depending upon the rows of seats you have, um, there's space to to have a door there if you need it as an emergency exit. Alaskan Airlines in their formation didn't need it. So actually from the inside of the plane, you wouldn't know there was a door there. But on the outside of a plane, they've 
the it's what they call a plug, isn't it? So it's just a panel that's put in there in, in to sort of in place of the door. Um and that's what flew out. Um my 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 initial opinion is that's one hell of an epic near miss, isn't it? You know, it's one of those is is it a near miss? I don't you know, we talked about it. I don't I mean that's an incident. I guess it's a near miss from the potential catastrophe. I mean, if, you, if you're going to talk about SIFs, it's it's definitely up there with with that potential, isn't it? Um, Oof. Yeah. Um, and just amazing, really, that, again, you've, what you've got to say is, for me, one of the really important points, my brother's a pilot. Um, my brother used to fly jumbo jets um, and or seven, 747s. And... Um, and and when you talk to him about his job, because I always just said he was a very very overpaid bus driver, really. Um, but 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 he actually his view was always was a really simple one: is you're not you're not there for the mundane stuff. You're there for exactly this kind of situation where if something goes wrong, you react in the right way, and you you bring it down safely. Um, and 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 to be fair, that that's. The planes land. They've they've brought the plane down safely, and and nobody's been injured or killed. So that's a good result, isn't it? Um, what what is slightly worrying reading about this incident is that there were warning lights going off in in the cabin or in the cockpit um, beforehand to say that there was a pressurization problem, and they didn't, and they still. Because the lights had gone off on previous flights, they still took off. Yeah. Um, I, I wish I'd known your brother was a pilot because I feel like that would have that could have changed something. Because it's interesting, you know. They used there was a study. Oh, I don't remember how many years ago now. Um, I mean, it's in the last ten years, so there's still relevance. But they always, they said that pilots. Like in in a flight, you know, typical airline, yeah, and I don't remember that the span, but might make anywhere from like five to seven errors. But the thing about it, those errors were never consecutive. So, you know, little things. I mean, you think about it driving a vehicle. Yeah, I'm I'm sure I make little errors of speeding or hitting a brake to you know just little things, but they're never consecutive that lead to something. So, you know his his response to this was pretty interesting. Just that comment. Because you don't think about the mundane. You know, they saw that pressurization, and I'm not going to speak for them, but just assuming they just thought that maybe it was a little fluctuation or they looked at it, couldn't find anything. And then you start realizing. And and fair, they did. They were successful in, you know, the takeoff occurred. <laughs> a new window was made. And then they, everyone was fine. I think they moved some of the people right there, but you still saw the row behind them. People were sitting there, that picture, I don't know if you saw those two people, they were just sitting there with their mask on, mask on and it went, you know, but it, it, it shows, I guess, the, the recognition and everything else, fortunately, was successful in the way it should be. So an incident was... A safe failure, if you will, I guess. I mean, that's the best way to say that. Be interesting to see what other people's thoughts are in terms of whether it was a near miss or not. Um, 
Yeah. Even for the people on the ground where the door, where the, where the plug landed, because um, it landed in somebody's back garden, didn't it? And that's amazing that nothing ever, you know, you f- I feel like you hear things fall, but you know, out of planes before, but nothing ever really, to my knowledge, which is very limited, it never hits anyone. I mean, if that had landed on somebody, I'd have killed them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is, that's a good point as well. Yeah. Um, can I point out the most frustrating thing about having a brother who's a pilot who flies transatlantic? I've never actually got an upgrade out of it. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty sorry there. <laughs> yeah. The best the best I've ever managed was was a bit of extra, I think a few extra gin and tonics on a flight home one time when because uh, they were full and they couldn't they, there was no space to move me. Um and the guy next door to me couldn't work out why I kept getting plied with 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 free alcohol all the way all the way back. Well, I guess if you drink enough, you don't care if you get an upgrade. Yeah, well, that's it. Yeah, but I, I do think so. We had this incident. I saw the NTSB just made, which uh, Traffic Safety Board just made a um, some partnerships with FAA, or not partnerships, but some research with FAA and others, and found some some more insight to where those little boats came from. But the scary thing to me is which. I mean, you know, we, you and I travel quite a bit. I don't travel as much as I used to, but still travel pretty good bit. And is that they found so many other issues with similar problems. That's a, so, and that's what we always push, you know, and I think hopefully proactive health and safety always does that. If something happens and you start looking and thinking where are others and, and they're very good about that. But when you start realizing that there is a potential quality issue with the production of, of those boats, they, they say, which were done at, what was, I think it was a spirit facility or something in Malaysia. And then you start saying that there's a potential with that. And then how does that apply to, is the quality still where it needs to be when it's actually implemented into its spot? And then you see others. I mean, how many, and I haven't heard on this, how, how many other issues potentially have arisen that have just kind of been, I'm not going to say flown to the wayside, but maybe they were recognized or uh, rectified, they thought, but actually weren't. I mean, this is a, this is a big deal. You know, the mask came down, which means there was a big decompression issue. So they were having to figure that out. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of things that kind of came off of this, this issue or this incident, I should say. And that's, that's scary when we think about it. Think about it from that. I mean, you're about to fly to Australia. It's really scary. I am. It's a long way. I'm not going to sit next to a door. Mm-hmm. You better change that. <laughs> well, I mean, what what's really interesting? There's loads of interesting things you can think about here, aren't there? I mean, I mean, one of one of the things we were talking about just before we came on was was the whole the fact that people leaving having the seat seat belts on, having the lap belts on in that kind of decompression situation stops them getting sucked out of the airplane. So actually there's a there's almost a, a case, isn't there, to say wear, wear your belt at all times. Um I know it sounds over the top, but it's but actually it doesn't really inconvenience you, does it? Um it, it's it's not something that's uncomfortable. Having the belt on would make make made a difference in that situation. Um and then I suppose the other the other the other really 
I suppose the really good thing about the aviation industry is the whole black box thinking approach, isn't it? Which is learning from error and learning from failure. Um, and and I was I was thinking about this sort of this morning when sort of knowing we were going to be doing this pod and thinking because because there's a really good book called Black Box Thinking by a guy called Matthew Syed and he he compares the medical industry and and, and the aviation industry. And, and really talks about completely different mentalities there, where in the medical industry, there's this massive fear of getting sued if mistakes come come to light. So people hide stuff and, and that you don't get proper investigations and you don't learn from failure. My other thought, though, is that with the aviation industry, it's pretty damn hard to hide your mistakes, isn't it? I mean, like in this case. And that's a good thing, though. They have that process to be very very detailed yeah but but it's this this kind of thing it's very hard to sweep under the carpet isn't it because because actually it's just such a visible failure um and in this case really fortunately nobody's hurt or or, or injured um but the thing that the aviation industry are brilliant at is when something goes wrong immediately the whole industry takes no even from the start starting point of right okay there's a concern about a particular plane as in this case right that plane gets grounded until we know what's caused this particular problem and then you've got the whole things around traceability haven't you the fact that you you can identify where that plug came from where the bolts came from you can go back you can find out is there a quality issue the quality issue can then be put right and again, every airline can learn from that and make sure that the planes that they have got are safe to, to fly. And I think that's probably the, the biggest takeaway you can take away from this kind of an incident. Even if you're just a, a sort, of, sort of generalist health and safety practitioner, it is actually the importance of, 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 of learning from failure, isn't it? Um, and we've talked about that lots of times before. Um, and I think it's still something that probably a lot of businesses could get better at. Um, we tend to have a think about sort of post-incident, if something's happened, we'll think about it. We're not always so good at distributing those lessons learned, are we, to to the broader, broader organization? And I think I had this sort of thought the other day, which was a lot of incident investigations, I'm, I'm almost going to turn up, term it a reactive Langdon, in that we just look at what went wrong. What we don't do is look at what else could have gone wrong, how it could have been more serious, yeah? So we just look at what actually happened and we and we talk about that. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that that's a good point because that reflects the, and, you know, Todd talked about it and we've kind of discussed it. That's the whole even a risk assessment or a JHA versus an overall true task analysis and thinking of what could go wrong. Cause I, I, I agree. I, I don't know what, you know, there've been little issue. I say little issue. <laughs> there've been issues with the 737 max nine, unfortunately, or however for a little while, but they've on the flip side, they've spent a lot of time looking at that and trying to figure out how to make it better. But you see something like this and who would have thought that what, well, could be an emergency door, um, you know, and they plugged it. 
you have to think either, and hopefully it was just a quality issue. So maybe there was, you know, some of those plugs actually had an issue, but versus actually being inspected, investigated, made sure. I, I feel like in my thinking, I'd rather it be a quality issue of a little piece versus a non-recognition issue that they didn't take that into consideration because that's, to me, that's an entire process is, issue that's a little bigger because if if you don't take into account, well, this could have come out, there's a lot of, you know, runoff effects that, that I think come from that. So when we, I think in general is health and safety and we have to get better about thinking of critical things, thinking of different, not just getting caught up in the regular checkbox of what I'm used to looking at when I am conducting an assessment or, or whatever that might be, because we, uh, this is a perfect example of something missed. And you, you know, you talk about or, or think about it from that perspective of airlines versus healthcare and not to totally go down that rabbit hole, but airlines, they are on the flip side, they're really good you know, knock on wood, it's, it seems like about when something happens, learning from it or being as detailed as possible. Whereas, you know, in healthcare, there is a certain, you know, HAIs, healthcare acquired infections, that's a huge issue. That's a very big problem. And you, you kind of think on a broader, and there is, whether it's insurance or whether it's, you know, we don't hire, sometimes a lot of organizations don't hire well, I won't say hi. They they don't keep it true health and safety to the level that they should as other industries. You know, I think that's why manufacturing and even construction they do they do pretty well because they get. I mean, it depends right on the company and on the organization. But I feel like sometimes they're even more ahead of the game than healthcare, for example. But you know, you, you do think about how airlines, how they view incidents, how they view any situation. And, and it's very much, it, it's serious. And I'm sure your brother could allude to that. Maybe we ought to have him on here just because there is a lot to, there's a lot to think about when, and that's, I'm, I'm very thankful, you know, every time before I've seen it numerous times, pilots walking around the plane before they fly and they just flew, but walking around there, the plane that they're on now and and looking and hopefully they're not just, you know, it's good to go. You know, hopefully there's a little more to it, but at least it shows more yeah, cognizance of what, you know, wanting to, to try to be safe and ensure some things. Now it doesn't mean incidents won't arise, especially if, uh, and I hadn't read that to what you were saying earlier about the, um, uh, some of the pressurization alerts going off, which that's, that was an oversight and not a good one. But Yeah, that's the kind of scary bit, isn't it? So I've just got to say I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a brother. He's got way too much hair to be appearing on this podcast anyway. So. <laughs> Maybe we can bring it down a notch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but it's, it, it's, it's interesting. And I mean, I've not thought about this for a long time, but um, going back, going back years, I had, I had to have some um, surgery and, um, have my gallbladder removed and I had some issues afterwards and I had to have this other procedure done. And I ended up, the procedure went wrong um, and the surgery went wrong. And I ended up, I was off work for two and a half months. 
I was I ended up in intensive care. It went pretty seriously wrong. Um, and and to the best of my knowledge, there was no no investigation done on the back of that. And then years later, we were we were in hospital for another reason with my wife, and we were talking to one of the nurses. And my wife was telling her this story, and she said, "I can tell you which surgeon it was." And that is incredibly scary. And and she got it right. She got it right. Um, and and my attitude when it happened was, people said, "Oh, are you gonna are you gonna take any sort of legal action?" My attitude was, "Well, I'm I'm fine. There's no long term effects here. I don't believe in suing doctors." But actually, the reflection afterwards was maybe I should have because this guy obviously had a track record. But again, the danger in the medical industry is this whole sort of fear about legal action. So actually, they don't investigate. They don't. They don't. They they don't deal with it properly, and they don't learn from it. Yeah. Um, and that's scary. Yeah, very scary. If you don't, you know, because there's kind of two. You have the whole wanting to be ensure that you are doing something to the best of your ability. Yeah. And also on the flip side, if something goes wrong, learning from it and what can we do differently? It's kind of too that if you don't have both of those, that's whether you're in the airline or, you know, you're a surgeon or, or, or whatnot, that's two very important jobs that you need to be safe. I mean, one of one of the notes we we've got. I know when we were thinking about this was the the mo- one of the most important things is admitting to mistakes, isn't it? That's what the first step towards actually learning from things is. People have got to be there's got to be a culture there that allows people to be able to admit that they've got something wrong. And and again, it's I'm pretty sure we've talked about this before, but there's no there's no perfect people out there. There's no perfect organisations out there. Yeah, actually, failure and and mistakes can be treated in in such a poor way. I know. I think we talked about it with Diane Chadwick Jones, didn't we, about the whole blame culture? But actually, that blame culture just absolutely stifles this ability to be able to learn from from incidents and learn from things going wrong. Yeah. Yeah, and you know that's what we try to push regularly. I think is just that learning, growing, wanting to, wanting to be better, wanting to be different, um, from perspective of not doing the same thing. And maybe this is a good example of that, that if you get caught up in doing the same thing over and over not, not reflecting, not shifting the thought, we can lead into serious failures. And this is one that was serious, but hopefully others are you know, are learning from it. And that's one of the crucial things to me is some of the safest companies in the world, they experience these catastrophic failures and that's how they've learned to be better. So how, how is an organization continually trying to do better in viewing that failure? Is it, you know, and that's, we've talked about it before on the viewpoints of failure, but this was a failure. So how do they view it? How do they want to view it moving forward? And I think for all of us, that's something, no matter the industry or um, the specific organization we're working for, let's view it as learning. Hopefully it's been minimized to an acceptable level and you're able to, you know, progress on, but how can we learn from that so that we can be healthier and safer moving forward? 
Yeah, fail. It is that whole attitude of failure is a good thing, isn't it? And it doesn't matter. Your whole organization can learn from this. It's not just about about the safety side of things. It's everything that you do across your organization. You'll have things that go wrong, but it's it's embracing failure and saying, right, how do we learn from it and move on and 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 do something different next time. So, yeah. and wear seatbelts. And wear a seatbelt. Yeah. I'm I'm a notorious. I keep my seatbelt on all the time. Just but mine was because I don't like the I know it's normal. I know you're supposed to have it, but I don't like the I don't like turbulence. So I'll just, you know, just buckle. For those of you again who are listening on Spotify, you've just missed out like on Langdon doing a, a, a really good impression sitting at his desk of turbulence in an aeroplane. I mean, you never know when a window is going to be made an opportunity, so keep your seatbelt on. Keep your seatbelt on. So, good chatting, buddy. Yeah, you as well. I hope your travels are safe. Keep it the aisle seat. And likewise, but um, for everyone out there, we appreciate you joining us. And if you are traveling, let's always remember, let's help each other and watch each other's back out there. Make sure our seatbelts are buckled. Everyone, really appreciate you tuning into this episode of Two Bald Guys Talking Safety. Please follow and subscribe to wherever you stream your favorite podcast or visit us at evotix.com. And if you want to see how follically challenged we really are, come and check us out on YouTube. If you've got value from the podcast, please go to Apple Podcasts and in the review section of this podcast, if you could leave us a review or a rating, that would be great. And as always, everyone, while you're going about your days, about your normal lives, stay safe out there and watch each other's back. <laughs>